Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick. Well, a big story in some of our lives, starting this Sunday night, is Hanukkah. Annual Celebration of Lights is one way to call it. And we have two gentlemen here in the office who lead communities, Jewish communities in our area, in which we will find out what Hanukkah is all about, what they're up to this year, and how we think about finding light in our lives in 5783. Good morning to Rabbi Brian Emmerman of Congregation Michigan, Israel, and Rabbi Eric Woodward of Congregation Beth El Kesser, Israel. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming in. Good morning. Thanks for having and me. what I'm going to ask you guys to do is to get so close to those mics that you're almost touching them, but not quite. And so, you know, everyone has heard of Hanukkah, right? I mean, I remember being in grade school and we had the, you know, the Hanukkah song, even though no, almost nobody was Jewish and all that kind of stuff. But, but I don't know if people really know what Hanukkah is about besides lighting a menorah. Like you're talking about this, Brian, before we went on the air. Like, what is the story and this holiday we're celebrating starting Sunday night? What's it all about? A, a great story of the Greeks oppressing, oppressing the Israelites and the Israelites overcoming that oppression. And that that freedom, that liberation is is a theme that I, I talk a lot about, especially with kids. Uh, it's part of the Jewish narrative of they tried to prevent us from being Jews and we were able to be free with the Egyptians. And, and then we ate. And then we ate, yeah. right, right, of course, with the latkes. And we'll get to the food in a little bit. Uh, and, and I think part of that then compels us living in 2022 to help fight for liberation and religious freedom for, for people around our world. Yeah. And I guess the story there was that the Maccabees were leading the resistance and they were in the temple. And the supposed miracle is they were lighting the menorah again. And there was only enough there for one or two nights, but it lasted for eight nights, which is why we then use oil to light for eight nights. Eric, is that really what happened? Yeah. So the story is like a little bit, um, you know, cooked, maybe you would say. Um, it's an interesting <laughs> story about the whole thing is about 2,200 years ago. Um, and. Uh, um, as Rabbi Emmerman was saying, the Greeks, um, well, the Seleucid Greeks were, had this very imperialistic culture. Like everybody had to be kind of Greek. Everybody had to sort of do Greek things. And, um, their ruler Antiochus didn't want the Jews to do the various Jewish things. And there was a lot there that was complicated. There was like a push and pull. There were things that were wonderful about the sort of emerging Greek culture. And there are things that were kind of challenging for people. In the text from the time, there isn't a lot about the menorah. Um, but a couple hundred years later, we start getting Jews talking about this menorah. And Also, originally, is, that wasn't part of it. That wasn't originally part of it. So a menorah is a lamp that's in the temple. It was a lamp with sort of seven or eight branches on it. Um, and it stood in the temple, and you had to operate it with this pure oil. And the Greeks... Um, made some of that oil impure and so they couldn't do it and it lasted for eight days after the maccabees who were the sort of jewish rebels at the time sort of reconquered the area what um this basically symbolizes is the struggle itself right so basically what happens is you have this story of a war and the story itself is symbolized through this image of the jews tried to burn this light for eight nights and they brought light at a time when there was a lot of darkness and the aspect of me that says like maybe the story is cooked a little bit is that the symbol is kind of perfect and loving and beautiful. And it was written later on because we don't really want to celebrate like a war holiday. You kind of mm -hmm. want to celebrate a holiday about light. Right. One connection. night we, we light one night, the first candle, the first two candles, the second, it's really fun for a kid, right? Like right. 
it's it, you see the you light the candy, you see the kids face light up and all that kind of stuff i love that you know yeah, totally it's it's a but of course the mac evs were bad dudes right i mean and that <laughs> happens a lot of time with yeah. revolutions you, you overthrow the oppressor but then the people who were hardcore enough to lead the resistance were the ones who um take over and then when they, they take over they they repress everybody else am i wrong about that or is we, that we ignore the genocide that happens afterward yeah. just as we often end uh the story of purim with esther saying right. and the jews were free dot and, dot dot and uh we ignore the genocide that happens after yeah. that as well and so okay but does that give a lesson too about maybe when we want to free ourselves from oppression it isn't just about overthrowing someone who's oppressing us but really like yeah. excising oppression from within our midst or the lust for power or is that overreading into the story no i think that's exactly right i mean i think you know part of the story is that when you run a civil war the people who are able to win a civil war are not necessarily the people you want to be governing the new country um and that's something that happens in the sort of historical piece of this but i think it's like an individual spiritual lesson too like sometimes in our own lives we have experiences that are like a war or like a really hard thing and when we have peace or we have some wholeness after that, maybe that same like wartime attitude is not the right thing, mm. right? Maybe we want to think about bringing light. You know, I'm thinking about, um, in this is a silly metaphor, um, but I'm thinking about in the Godfather, um, how, uh, Robert <laughs> Duvall's character, they say he's not a wartime conciliary. Um, he's not the right advisor for a time of war. He's the advisor for a time of peace. And I think one of the sort of Maccabee and Hanukkah lessons is that, Yes, there are times to really stick up and stand up and say, gosh, like there's imperialism and there are all these things. And there are also times to think about like when when is the struggle that I'm facing actually a spiritual struggle and a personal struggle, not necessarily a political struggle. And these mm. things are always in play. It's not an either or, but how do we make that work? We're talking about Hanukkah here on Dateline New Haven. It's our Sunday night last eight nights. And we're here with Rabbi Brian Emmerman of Congregation Michigan, Israel, and Eric Goodward, Congre Rabbi of Congregation Beth El Kesser. Israel. So when I was growing up, you know, everybody you kind of grow up that Hanukkah is sort of the Jewish Christmas, but not because around the same time of year. And we live in a culture where for months now you hear all the Christmas songs, the Christmas lights, you've got the big tree. And well, the Jews got Christmas, uh, Hanukkah. And, it, and then I was shocked to find out as an adult that it's a minor holiday. So it's not like the festivals where we don't work, where we you know have all this time spent in synagogue, whether it's the, the days of awe or even Sukkot is a much bigger deal. Passover is a much bigger deal. And yet, I feel there's a tension in our culture about how to view it that way. Like, I always say to people, well, it's not, it's not a major holiday. Like, I go to work, and yeah, it's nice. We sing the extra holiday prayer in, in shul. We light the menorah. We spin a dreidel. It's kind of fun, all these traditions. But do you think it's been elevated because of our role in this culture? Like, what do you think, Rabbi Emmerman? No question that it's been elevated, and it's compared to Christmas, and it's, that's always this, this tension. Um, but we live in a world in which there are people who are celebrating many faiths and many traditions within one home. Um, and Hanukkah has just taken its place. There's in my mind, there's, you know, people always say, when is Hanukkah going to be this year? It's on the 25th of Kislev, right. which is often a tongue in cheek answer, but it's on the 25th right, right, of be, Kislev. Cause, and, Cause it's different on the American calendar. Cause we have a lunar, a lunar calendar rather than the uh, Rome calendar. And I, but I actually think about that point. I always think it's kind of nice when it, includes christmas because it's a day for jewish families to have something but i wonder if that's a mistake in approaching it that way i think it's a mistake to begin the conversation that way but we have these two holidays and, the, and christmas has really become an american holiday in some way and i know that there are many families who celebrate christmas and um but there's so much about hanukkah to celebrate 
and to to find joy in that it doesn't we don't have to find joy in just comparing it to Christmas. But the mm-hmm. beauty is that you know, you're talking a little bit about uh, when when are we called to lead at certain times and certain groups? And the the word Hanukkah means to dedicate lechanach because they rededicated the 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 temple in Jerusalem. And what I've learned about that light is this cruise of oil, this little bit of oil that was only supposed to last one night. It wasn't that it wasn't physically pure. Like it wasn't as though they diluted it with other things. It was that it was the only last pure kosher bottle that had been dedicated to the purpose of lighting the menorah. And I was thinking when you were Rabbi Woodward, you were talking, I was thinking about what does it mean for us to dedicate ourselves? And, you know, we have these two um, quasi American holidays where, you know, you always see have the token menorah elsewhere and you have these, this holiday that brings light into the darkest time of the year. And what do we see with families mm. doing Christmas? They're mm. putting up lights so that... And the, I do the, like the Christmas lights. I have to admit, I always like the Christmas lights. Well, we don't have much light from the sun right now. So, yeah. And it <laughs> um, looks so pretty at night with the colors. And, yeah. And it allows us to think about what, how do we dedicate ourselves to bringing light into the world and into other people's lives at this time of year? Yeah. I mean, I figure that, you know, I think uh, there are no small holidays. There are just small Jews. Um, <laughs> but that... You know, Hanukkah, yeah, it's a, a minor closer. holiday compared to Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, but it's a still a big deal. And Eight nights. It's eight nights long, and it's a lot of stuff that you do. And, you know, try cooking latkes in your house for eight nights. And, and latkes are potato pancakes and a lot of oil. My father always said you're supposed to have a little blood in it when he's in the arm <laughs> down south. They went to the Jewish home where, like, the person, you grate the onions yeah, the and the, and the um, potato. Right. Latkes are stiffly. definitely better hand-grated, but, you know, yeah. you'll get a little skin in there. Um but, you know, I do think it is, um, you know, it's not a coincidence that Hanukkah is on the 25th day of the month of Kislev, which is the Jewish month, and that um, Christmas is on the 25th day of December, mm. because both of these were sort of, um, the Hanukkah date and other things were kind of affixed at a time when the holiday, the Roman holiday of Saturnalia was also on the 25th day of this month. Oh. And Saturnalia's observance was to actually put lights in your window, which is mm. something we can see that... Hanukkah is doing and that Christmas is doing. So I would not say that Hanukkah is the Jewish Christmas or Christmas is the Christian Hanukkah. They're both the religious both Sarnalia. The Saturnalia. Isn't that, isn't that true with other holidays like Sukkot that we co-opted existing agricultural or other holidays? This one is worse than to others. Add a, oh, really? Um, yeah, this to one To kind is, of claim ownership for it. Because they're already doing Sukkot where they were coming out of the fields at harvest time, right? If I have it right. Yeah. And that we wanted to make it, put Jewish on top of it so that kind of convince people to stay in their religion and incorporate well, their rituals. Yeah, we wanted to ritualize it. Yeah. And I think... And give meaning to it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No. No. And I think... I mean, that's what we are. We're ritualists. We seek to imbue meaning into people's everyday through meaning in traditions and rituals. And what's that meaning now? Like, we always talk about COVID. That's not the only thing going on in the world, but there's been this attendant impact on people's emotional health. I'm guessing that as rabbis, you're both spending more time than maybe you would have 10 years ago with people trying to cope with uncertainty in their lives and, and mental health challenges or just, I could be wrong about that. Does Hanukkah fit into that? I mean, it's not the same thing as Days of Awe where it's like the big moment of the year or Passover, you know, going to Seders and things like that. But how does this COVID or any of what's going on now fit into how we're seeing Hanukkah this year? And it's okay if the answer is no. I think Go this ahead. idea about minor holiday, so it's a minor holiday because it doesn't exist in the Torah. Mm-hmm. It's It comes right. from the book of Maccabees, which we only have because of the it's in the Apocrypha. Um, and what's fascinating is actually the reason it's eight days in the book of Maccabees is because they missed celebrating Sukkot in the temple. So now they get to celebrate Sukkot. So as we're comparing oh. holidays, there's this whole thing about Sukkot and 
That's uh, right, I forgot about but, that. Which invites the idea of fragility you are getting back to. So, and again, mm. it's the darkest days of the year, right? No matter where you live, it, well, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the darkest days of the year. And what do we do? We bring light into our world symbolically, but it also invites us to come together to, you know, have special food of uh, sufganiyot, which are jelly donuts, um, or latkes, the potato pancakes, and just gather and be together when you're, you're we're worried in a modern context as we have our secular new year the american new year we're maybe worried about next year what is the new year going to bring and certainly COVID has elevated that um you know in 2020 we couldn't gather inside so i asked a few builders in the congregation to build a giant menorah and put it out on our lawn which is hopefully going to be a tradition forever because it's now this beautiful additional way for people to gather and there's still People who can't gather for many reasons, if they're immunocompromised or just afraid, and we hope that everybody is able to come together. And uh, I know that that's from all the synagogues in the area. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, I was thinking as you were saying that there's a Jewish midrash, which is like a, a story from two thousand years ago about this experience that Adam had. Adam, the first human being that as he saw the days growing shorter at the beginning of creation, he'd never seen winter before. And he thought the world was just going to go out. They were going to keep getting shorter. So he started lighting these lights. And every year they would symbolize the light coming back into the world by lighting a candelabra for eight nights. And to a certain extent, I think this is the Jews of 2000 years ago trying to explain why we have holidays that also look like the, um, this Roman holiday. And I'm sure the Romans with Saturnalia, like, that was based on other things too. Um, and I think that this image of trying to find experiences of light at a time of a lot of stress is just mm-hmm. so endemic to the human experience. And, you know, there's the COVID stress right now. I think we have the stress of political upheaval, which has been really present for us for a long time, even before January 6th. And, I think there's also, you know, there's been a rise in anti-Semitism recently and a sort of rise in anti-Semitic actions and speeches and things like that. And that's very scary. And Hanukkah, I think, um, tells us that really the core way to to face this is to be that light that you need to see. You know, be proud and be Jewish and be safe being, you know, be comfortable being out as a Jewish person but the best way to show that you're Jewish isn't about the t-shirt that we're wearing or the kippah that we're wearing or whatever, but it's about bringing light and goodness to the world and saying like, wow, this Torah inspires me to live, you know, our sacred texts inspire us to live in ways that, that are good and beautiful and meaningful to people. And, you know, that's really what Hanukkah is all about that, that and fried food. Fried food. And we're talking about that on about Hanukkah on Dateline New Haven, WNHH New Haven's home for community radio on 103.5 FM live stream, newhavenpin.org. We're talking to Rabbi Eric Woodward of Congregation Beth Elkes, Israel, Rabbi Brian Emmerman of Congregation Michigan, Israel. We also talk about miracles. So the dreidel, you know, the game where we do the top and has four letters on it that mean uh, Neskadol Hayasham, meaning a great miracle happened there. And Israel, they have a, the pay instead, a great miracle happened here. So the miracle is the oil, correct? Yeah, the miracle is the oil. Um, so where do, where do you go with miracles and the role of miracles in this holiday and role of miracles in our life now? Do we believe in miracles to relieve some of that stress and be light? Or do we see what we're able to do as a community together as the miracle and the light? Uh, in the Reform Prayer Book, right before we uh, pray the Amidah, there's 
a reading that says, pray as if everything depends on God, act as if everything depends on you. Mm. Um, and there's this, some funny stories about this, but this idea that we consider we can, we should pray to God and we should, we should hope in collective power and that a miracle might happen unexpectedly from some other power, but we then have to do the work. And what often happens is when we sit down and we say, okay, God, we hope that we're going to begin to end homelessness. We then go back to our meetings and form coalitions to hope end homelessness and create more affordable housing. And all of a sudden the miracles happen. Uh, and divine inspiration flows through us, right? We're, we're manifestations of the divine. And um, ultimately, Hanukkah is the story of hope over hate. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Jews, exactly right. That's a, that's a beautiful sort of intention for the Amidah. Um, we're not so into miracles. And I once learned from a friend of mine, uh, Rabbi Jason Rubenstein over at Slifka Center, um, that in Judaism, we don't define a miracle as something that's supernatural or something that's mm. crazy or impossible. A miracle is just the experience of you were in a scary situation and you were saved. And that's what our tradition really calls a miracle. So you don't have to have it be inexplicable or magical in order to call it a miracle. A miracle is anytime you say, gosh, like, you know, it was a miracle. Love triumphed over hate. That's not inexplicable, but that's powerful. And that's what we're really celebrating. On As Brian said, there's that fundamental tension in a religion that you're God, we pray that God is in charge of everything, turns everything, but in fact, we have agency and it's up to us to do the work. Right. So we have to kind of make our miracles, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. If I would, you know, I don't think I can sing Encanto songs without getting us in trouble, <laughs> but you know, we talk about a miracle. It's not the magic that we have or don't have, but it's what we do with ourselves. Mm -hmm. The miracle is you. And I know, just you. <laughs> if I sang the song, my daughter would now watch. The I segment. know. Right. I can <laughs> yeah. sing it for the rest of this time. And as for dreidel, I never quite got the game. So like, you know, if you get one of the letters, you, you start with these chocolate coins because we have chocolate coins on, on Hanukkah and you, it's like anti like poker, right? And if it's a nest, I think you put one in and there's, you have to take one out of the pot if you get another or you lose all of them. And it seems like the game in practice doesn't have that many different I think the real Ways miracle could go. the real miracle of Hanukkah is managing to have a dreidel game that ends in under an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was an article, um, I think in Slate or something about somebody suggested rules to amend the game of dreidel to make it like <laughs> mathematically work out because you're always you put one in and you roll again and you take a coin out and like everybody's kind of in this weird equilibrium and um doesn't but quite more power to you if you want to play Dreidel. <laughs> what about in your congregations? Uh, what are what are some of the plans that that you have for celebrating uh, Hanukkah this year? We continue this long running tradition on uh, this coming Sunday. There's a group of congregants who are going to gather at East Rock Park, and we're going to walk up the park with a torch. When we get to the top, we're going to light the torch. Rain, shine, sleet, snow, ice, mm. and then we run from the top of East Rock to to Mishkan Israel, which is about two and a half miles. And uh, then we use that light and we perpetuate the myth that the this torch came from Modi'in. We found it while they were excavating. So this torch has been around since Hanukkah. How many people do this? Uh, 10, really? 15, you, you run 20? the two and a half miles? I run. I'm I in run. good shape. You have all these people running around two and a half miles in the dark? <laughs> Oh, well, we, it's at 8.15 in the morning. Oh, 8.15 in the morning. We do it in the morning. It's part of the religious school. God. Um, and we have awesome. kids and adults. And, and the we, kids run two and a half miles? Kids run. Uh, if you check out uh, the CMI Facebook page, you can find a video 
uh, that I just created from last year's run showing what this run looks like. Um, but the kids can run two and a half miles. Mm-hmm. We, They're in good shape. This is about inclusion. So we we make sure that everybody is included. And There's no like cars nobody coming gets by, you get hopped in. Or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't divulge the secrets. That, okay. That, that goes it's a miracle. It's a, it's, it's a That's miracle. a wonderful tradition. Yeah, so we do that. And then the kids in the religious school line the halls and they sing Hanukkah songs as we run in and then we get to celebrate Hanukkah together and we're going to have bounce house and latkes and then throughout the holiday we're going to be lighting this candle this menorah outside uh the synagogue and then ultimately culminating in a dinner and then on december 25th uh mishkan israel partners with the new haven capelia to welcome them for a concert for those who don't have anything else to do on december 25th in the afternoon uh, i thought it was that for us to make experience did that change or i think it's always been the capelia oh, okay some of the same folks same dna it's it's, it's yeah. da- david shevin yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Who was is it the music? I didn't know if you noticed at the beginning of the show that was African Afrosomic Experience doing uh-huh. Eliyahu Hanavi, which is the theme song of this program. Uh, oh, what um, what, what about our? Cause I I do belong to Congress Beth Alcester Israel, we love Rabbi Eric. What what are some of the um things planned there? I mean, we are not doing anything as cool as that run, but maybe maybe <laughs> next year we'll do some version of Join West us. Rock. Yeah, that is really a great idea. That's awesome. Um. We had a Hanukkah party for the religious school last night. We have some singing on Sunday. We have more singing on Tuesday. We had latkes last night. You know, it's a little bit funny this year because Hanukkah um, is winding up at a time that doesn't exactly line up with the people's school schedules. So you're sort of trying to find ways to to do things at the beginning of the holiday and you know, being aware that um, the weekend of the 25th is not a great weekend for people being in town necessarily. There's always this question with these eight-day holidays. Do you, like, do all the programming at the beginning or at the end, and when do you do it? But it's a fun holiday. A lot of it Hanukkah is. stuff is home-based, too. I mean... Right, you, you're supposed to put the... As long as you don't burn the You're supposed to put your curtains. menorah, your yeah. candelabra in your house, and you're really ideally in your front window, but, you know, whatever makes sense in your, Saturnalia. your geography. You're Saturnalia, Exactly. So you know what my favorite part of Hanukkah yeah. is? My favorite part is like all the fun stuff about Judaism, the fun stuff of our ritual that I didn't know growing up. And you discover is get like some of the Sukkot stuff. So on Hanukkah, every day in our prayers, we sing Hallel, which is so much fun to sing. It's a special kind of praise, very tuneful prayer. And you do it every of the eight days long to our reading. And I love when you're at the synagogue at Becky, before the evening service, the small daily Minchamari service, I guess it's more of this time of year, we go in the hall and we light the candle together and sing, sing the couple of prayers in the kind of space you're in all year. There's darkness in it and it lights up and you're kind of together. I kind of love the small binding rituals that are just fun in Judaism. Those are my two favorite parts of Hanukkah. Totally. And I think that's partially why Hanukkah is so powerful. You know, it's like a lot of holidays take like have a lot of moving pieces to them, like making a Passover Seder. That's like a big task, you know, Rosh Hashanah services. Hanukkah's chiller. It's chill, right? You've got this candles, you light the candles, you have delicious food, you say like a small number of prayers, but the meaning, they're so packed with meaning. So I'm I'm a Hanukkah, you know, I stand Hanukkah. Also, you have the eight days, you don't have to pack it into just one day. Right, you and know, if you burn the lockers one night, you just make them the next right. day. Right, you're gonna have seven bad Hanukkah experiences, but the eighth one will be good. Well, what a pleasure! You got me all. You got me psyched now. I'm ready right. for Hanukkah. I might follow from a distance on Facebook what they're doing. Michigan is with the run, but I really uh, come join us. <laughs> right. Send a reporter. Any final <laughs> thoughts on Hanukkah before we close out? And thank you so much for joining us. You know, just to say that you know you can fry a lot of things, so you don't have to just be limited to potatoes. Think oh. about other foods you can fry. But do it safely. Skip the deep fried turkeys. <laughs> Anything else, Brian? 
Think about how you can be that light. What are you mm-hmm. going to do to bring light into other people's lives? Well, thank you for bringing light into Dateline New Haven, both of you. And you really did. You always do. It's always such a pleasure to chat with Rabbis Brian Immerman of Congregation Michigan, Israel, and Eric Woodward of Congregation Beth Elkester, Israel. Two reasons we're so lucky to live in New Haven. And I want to thank Nora for filling in for Harry at the controls here. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day, all night, and all weekend long at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.